so this morning we wrap up uh, looking at the Ten Commandments. We've last ten weeks been going one by one through each of these commands. Thank you. Um, and next, so next week we'll still be in Exodus, but we will no longer be looking at um, the Ten Commandments. We'll be out of those. Uh, so if you would. If you're able, uh, let's stand one more time for in honor of the reading of God's word. Our scripture text is Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, grab your seats. Um, and I'm going to pray for us now as well. Father, we come to you now, ready to hear your word, um, asking that you would speak to us, uh, asking that uh, you would speak through the cold, that you would speak through the wind and um, all of the other distractions this morning, and um, communicate to our hearts what you have to say to us, um, that, you would, that you would penetrate not just the circumstances, but the, the hardness and the coldness of our own hearts, Lord, um, to give us, give us new life through your word. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2011, 53-year-old Michael Anthony Fuller from North Carolina walked into a Walmart and bought a vacuum cleaner and a microwave for about $400. Sounds okay so far, right? When he was checking out, Michael attempted to pay for his purchase using a million-dollar bill from Monopoly. And upon insisting that the cashier give him his change of roughly 999000 something dollars, the police were called and he was arrested and eventually charged with attempting to obtain property under false pretenses. Even though the poor guy didn't get a dime from his scheme, he was still arrested and convicted. Because even in our human courts, it is not only successful crimes that are punishable. You can be found guilty without actually committing the crime. And here in the Tenth Commandment, we see the same principle at work. You don't actually have to murder, steal, lie in order to be guilty. And here God's law even takes it a step further than our human laws do. Because you don't even have to... Um, to try to actually attempt it. If you desire something that is not yours, you are guilty. Regardless of whether you follow through, regardless of whether you even attempt it, desiring something sinful is itself sin. Um, and so the Tenth Commandment takes all sin and makes it a matter of the heart, of our desires. And so the word covet here is um, literally, it's just the word desire. You shall not um, desire, right? We hear the word covet, and we immediately think bad, right? That coveting is bad. And, um, but that's not really, the, the word that's used here doesn't necessarily apply bad desires. It, it's, it's just the word for desire. All right, so for instance, in Psalm 19, uh, if you were to go to Psalm 19, verse 10, has the same word. And it says, the rules of the Lord are true. And righteous altogether, more to be desired, it's that same word, coveted, are they than gold. 
Right? So here, coveting is a good thing. Right? We should covet God's law. We should desire to hear it, to know about it. But then sometimes coveting is a bad thing. Um, in Deuteronomy 7.25, talks about um, images, um, idols, little, you know, like pagan statues. And God says, you shall not covet the silver or gold that they are made out of. Um, because those things are in a, in a snare and an abomination. And so there, covet is very clearly a bad thing. But it's not about the presence of desire. It's what is being desired, right? The, the gold and silver from these idols. And so the sinfulness of coveting here in this Tenth Commandment is not merely in desiring something. It's about what we desire. Um, what makes coveting sinful is desiring something that God um, has said is not good for you. That this is, or is, this is not for you. Right? Desiring something that God has made it clear is outside of his will for you. And in the case of this commandment, that's very specifically something that belongs to someone else. Right? That if, that if it belongs to someone else, you don't, do not set your heart on it. Do not place your desires on that thing. And so the question is, why is it wrong to desire something that belongs to someone else? And it's simply this, that God cares about our hearts. Right? If you've been around for the last 10 weeks, that shouldn't be anything new. Um, that God cares not just about our actions, but our desires as well. Because we should be the type of people, um, not, not only that our, that our actions are in accordance with God's law, but that we are to be the type of people who cannot help but obey God's law. And so if you, you hear nothing else, Hear this, your obedience to God's law never exceeds your desire to obey it. Alright, so your obedience to God's law never exceeds your desire to obey it. That's the principle behind the Ten Commandments. That keeping God's law means having a heart that wants to keep God's law. That truly desires the good of your neighbor. Right? That, that rejoices for them when they, for them to have their good things. Um, and so the, the question then, what does a heart look like that desires the good of your neighbor? Right, that's what I want to spend the rest of our time looking at. Is What does a heart that desires the good of your neighbor look like? We're going to look at three things. We're going to talk about contentment, talk about love, and we're going to talk about rejoicing. All right, so first of all, a heart that desires the good of your neighbor will be, is, involves contentment in our blessings. So Hebrews 13.5 uh, says, Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. Um, it's worth noting that the author of Hebrews is writing this to a group of people um, and specifically, the book of Hebrews says that it's being written to the people who are spread out. Meaning the author of Hebrews is writing this really just to anybody. And still, and he says, be content. Right? Whether you're rich or poor, be content. Uh -huh. The Bible says to all of us, regardless of our wealth, regardless of whether we have the latest stuff, to be content with what we have. 
Because if you think about it, contentment is really the opposite of coveting. Okay, if if coveting, uh, as the Bible condemns it in the sec- in the tenth commandment here, is about wanting, looking to someone else's stuff to make you happy, I think contentment is looking to what God has already given you for joy and for happiness. Contentment involves finding joy um, in in what what God has already given you. And not just in your stuff or your possessions, but the entirety of the life that God has given you. Okay, so if we look at the 10th commandment and the things that we're told not to covet, right? Think about, so the mention says, don't covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, his servants, his livestock. Right, so, so don't covet your neighbor's house. That's about, right, a house is a possession. It's don't covet where your, neighbors li- your neighbor lives. Um, but then you get into wife, the idea of not coveting your neighbor's wife, not desiring um, someone else's wife. It means not only do you not covet your neighbor's possessions, um, don't covet your neighbor's marriage. Right? Your, your marriage will look different from my marriage. You'll have your own trials and blessings. Um, your own unique challenges and um, things that are hard and things that are good. Or God may choose for you to remain single, which has its own trials and blessings as well. And then after that, we're told not to covet our neighbor's servants, which is about um, labor and work. Right? Not being um, envious of, of the, the work situation of those around us. Right? Being um, content with the different responsibilities and work that God has given us. So the Tenth Commandment is not just about refusing to covet your neighbor's possessions. There's things. It's not just about stuff. That's there. That is certainly part of it. Um, But it's about being content with the entirety of the life that God has given us. That whatever comes our way, knowing that God is good, um, and that the the trials and blessings that God sends our way, um, He is there with us in the midst of it. Hebrews tells us that contentment comes from two places. Right, so that, that passage in Hebrews um, talks about contentment, um, first of all, coming from trust, trusting in God's to provide. Right, knowing that God is of infinitely greater worth and value than, um, than anything, than any of our stuff, any of our possessions. And infinitely more powerful to provide what we need um, than, than money will ever be, than our, our stuff will ever be. Even more to the point, God, God, unlike money, promises us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, right? You think about money and possessions, they abandon us all the time. Right? Have you ever had a moment where you needed to pay some, you actually needed cash for once, and you open your wallet and it's empty, right? You don't have any cash. Or you go to the store and you realize you forgot your wallet and you have to run back home, hopefully before you ordered your food, right? And then on top of that, there's the reality that there are times in our lives where we don't know if we'll make ends meet, right? If we'll, we don't know if one paycheck will, will get us to the next paycheck. And so the reality is that money abandons us. Possessions abandon us. 
And even when we have the money we need to get the things we want, those things never satisfy us the way that we hope they will, the way we want them to. But God promises that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And so obedience to the 10th commandment, contentment, begins with understanding that. Understanding God's um, promise to never leave us. Because coveting begins in discontent. Coveting begins when, when we aren't satisfied with what we have. And so we look to something else that's out there um, to fulfill that, to, to make us content. But coveting often ends in discontent as well. Because our, our desire for something just doesn't have the ability to give us what we desire. Except in the case of God. Right? He, if your desire is for God, He will always draw near to you. If you seek, you will find. Um, God does not promise you your neighbor's possessions, but God does promise you Himself. And so if we are to put to death coveting, if we are to pursue contentment, we have to realize that God promises us Himself. And that, that is right. We can trust Him. We can trust Him in that. The second heart attitude that Hebrews says will bring contentment uh, takes us to our second point this morning, which is love. Right? So contentment comes when we are, Hebrews says, we are be free of the love of money. And so the Tenth Commandment, like all of the commandments, boils down to love. Do you love your neighbor more than your neighbor's stuff? Right. That's the question of the Tenth Commandment. Um, when I was a kid, I loved, um, obviously, you know, as a kid, you love hanging out with your friends, but there was something um, that I loved even more when I got to go over to their house, right? If I, if I was going to spend time with a friend, I, would, I didn't want them to come over to my house. I wanted to go over to their house because when I went over to their house, I got to play with their stuff rather than the toy, my old toys that I was used to. It meant I got to play with stuff that my parents uh, didn't buy me, right? My parents didn't buy me Nerf guns as a kid. I don't, I don't know why, but we just didn't have Nerf guns. But when I went over to my friend's house, they had Nerf guns. So we, I got to play with their stuff. That was just childhood coveting, right? It's like, I really, you're, you're fine, you're cool, but I really like your toys. I really like to play with playing with your stuff. What it, we covet... Because we, we love our neighbor's possessions more than our neighbor. The Bible says you shall not covet. And what it means is you shall love your neighbor more than you love your neighbor's house. You shall love your neighbor more than you love your neighbor's spouse. More than you love your neighbor's servants. More than you love their ox or their donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. And this means that at the end of the day, the Tenth Commandment is not about putting, um, putting, death, putting our desires to death. Um, it's about reorienting them. Right? So, so desires are not in and of themselves bad. This is not um, Buddhism, which believes that all desires are bad. This is not Star Wars. We're not trying to be Jedi who are supposed to be detached. Um, we are supposed to love. And love is about desire. It's about desiring the good 
of the other person, of the beloved. Love is all about desire. And so we are supposed to love God first and then our neighbor. But we in our sin, right, we set our affections on things. On things that we think will make us happy. Um, we desire first and foremost our own good. And so the problem is not desire itself, it's, it's what we desire. And just think about Jesus in the Gospels. All right? When you look at Jesus, do you see someone who is void, who's, who has no desires for anything? Just sort of, you know, very um, detached, if you will. Uh, no, we see someone who, who passionately desires the good of other people. We, we see someone who, who loved people enough to turn over tables in order to free them from their stuff. Right? Jesus, he, he cared deeply about the people that he came um, to serve, about you and me. And the reason that he came was to free us. Right? From, from the love of money, from the love of sin and of self, so that we could be filled with love for God and love for our neighbor, so that we would love our neighbor more than we love what belongs to them. So the Tenth Commandment involves a radical and robust love for our neighbor that penetrates all the way to the depths of our hearts. And that means that the Tenth Commandment involves rejoicing. Right, which is our third point this morning. It's not just about rejoicing over the good things that come our way. That's natural. That's easy for us. The Tenth Commandment calls us to rejoice for others when they experience blessing. And sometimes that, that's really easy. Right? Recently, my sister got a promotion at work. It was really easy to be happy and excited for her. Right? To be be happy for the, the pay raise, for the acknowledgement that her job has given her for the hard work she's put in. It's really easy to be happy for her in that. Um, but sometimes, even often, our response is not joy, but envy over the good fortune of others. Especially if it's a situation where we see someone else enjoy the blessings that we sh believe should have been ours. Okay, so rather than it being my sister who got the job promotion, imagine it was someone else at my work and I was the one up for the job promotion, right? In that moment, is it easy to be happy for them? No, you, you, that's something that you wanted, you thought, should be yours. When one of God's good gifts goes in a different direction, how do you respond? With, with envy, coveting, or with joy? Knowing that God has chosen to bless that other person. It's the type of joy that really only comes when we have the kind of deep love for our neighbors um, that, that scripture calls us to. When we desire their good above our own. And it's not just about those moments very, when we are literally passed over for something, right? When someone else gets a job you think you should get or when... Um, Someone else, um, you know, you're passed over in favor of someone else. It's also just a question of how we respond to those uh, we see in our lives who seem to just have it much better and much easier than we do. Uh -huh. Right? I think all of us, I'm sure there's someone in your life 
you've thought about it hard enough, that you look at whether your lives have gone along a parallel trajectory or they're just sort of um, have, are in a similar career or whatever it may be, you look at them and you just think, why can't that be me? Right? I'm just as smart as them. I work just as hard as them. Uh, but somehow everything seems to work out for them um, just so much, so much more easily. Right? They have the nicer stuff, the better job. And it's, it's in those moments, the question becomes, how do you respond? Right? How do you respond when the person who seems like a less loving spouse than you also seems to have a better, happier, easier marriage than you? When the person who, who seems to be unloving towards their kids, uh, God just continues to bless them with more and more kids. Or right, the person at work who who's slacks off half the time but then lands the big client. And so the boss loves them. How do you respond? With envy, which you can't have what they have, or with joy, showing a heart that's filled with love. If we understand this rightly, if we understand the Tenth Commandment, the way the Bible presents it to us, it is an overwhelmingly high standard. That if you've been paying attention at all this morning for the last ten weeks, it should overwhelm you. Right, the, by the impossibly high standard that the Ten Commandments present to us. How on earth are we supposed to respond with joy when someone else gets something that we think should be ours? I think there's something unique about the Tenth Commandment in that all of the other ones, at least um, a lot of these last few, can it leave us with the impression that the answer is on some level to try harder. We, we, even if we know better, right? We know the, that it, it doesn't come down to us, but we still, we walk away from God's law thinking, what do I need to do differently this week? All right, last week I murdered, but this week I'm going to keep it in check. Last week my words were hateful and hurtful, but this week... None of that. I got it this week. But bringing your heart under control isn't the same as bringing your hands or even your tongue under control. Because your arm isn't going to move unless you move it. Your lips even, your tongue isn't going to speak unless you tell it to. But your heart? I mean, how often do you have desires that just seem to pop up out of nowhere? Feelings that seem to spring up with no indication of how to get them to go away. At some point, if you want something, you want something. Which is why our hope is not and never has been found in what we ourselves are able to do. You cannot keep the Tenth Commandment or any of the commandments in your own strength. And you need something outside yourself to bring healing. Which is why God says... In Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is the only way that we will ever keep the 10th commandment is because God gives us a new heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask 
this morning that you would continue to remake our hearts, to give us new life in you so that we would um, ever increasingly learn to um, not desire what belongs, what you have graciously given to others, that we would learn to, to love our neighbor and love those around us so, so fully and so robustly that we would rejoice uh, when, when you give your good gifts uh, to those around us. Father, we, uh, above all, we thank you that you do give us new hearts. We thank you that you have given us your son um, who um, came for us so that we could um, be remade in his image. We pray all of this in his name. Amen.